On the one hand, you had one study showing that the use of comprehensive genomic profiling to guide treatment decisions for cancer patients could significantly improve their outcomes. But then they presented this other study that showed that up to 80% of eligible insured patients don't actually get the recommended tests. That's Andrea Park, a staff reader here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from her about what happened at this year's ASCO meeting. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is the top line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Let's get started with the news rundown. I've got Fierce Healthcare's Annie Berkey with me to give us all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Hey, Annie, thanks so much for helping out the top line this week. Annie is a regular segment host on Podnosis, our sister podcast. And Annie, I always love listening to your segments. So hopefully we'll be hearing more from you on the top line. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I wanted to start off this news rundown with talk of the Inflation Reduction Act. Ever since it passed in Congress last summer and was signed by President Biden, the pharmaceutical industry has publicly protested parts of the law. Specifically, the industry has taken aim at a measure that will allow Medicare to negotiate prices of top medicines starting in 2026. So Merck & Co. is taking their argument to the courts. Merck & Co. filed a new lawsuit in Washington, D.C. federal court, arguing that the law violates the First and Fifth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Oh, so how does it violate those amendments? Well, Eric Saganowski reported this story, and he wrote that Merck & Co. says the law violates the First Amendment because the government will force companies to enter contracts that they otherwise wouldn't. And regarding the Fifth Amendment argument, Merck says the government plans to take private property for public use. So under the new law, Medicare will start lowering prices on 10 drugs starting in 2023. But because companies can't walk away from negotiations, the industry argues that this law is closer to price controls than than really good faith negotiations. Mm. So what's happening with the case? After reviewing the case, analysts with global data said they were skeptical of the First Amendment claim, but they believe that the Fifth Amendment argument has potential. And there has been a wave of, of instant support from the industry because of the lawsuit at Bio's annual event in Boston, which many of our journalists are attending, Biogen's CEO, Chris Wiebacher, called the pricing setup extortion and said that Biogen might, might file its own lawsuit. Strong words. <laughs> yeah. So we really only have a few other news stories to cover. Um, Annie, can you tell us about the new treatment for ADHD? Yeah. Um, so adults with ADHD now have a new drug-free treatment option to help treat their symptoms. On Wednesday, Achille Interactive launched an over-the-counter version of its Endeavor program. The original Endeavor RX requires a prescription and has been cleared by the FDA only for some children. But Endeavor OTC is meant to be used by adults and doesn't require a prescription. Achilles still plans to submit an adult version of Endeavor RX to the FDA for clearance, but it was able to launch the over-the-counter version in the meantime thanks to a policy that made it easier for tech makers to roll out low-risk digital mental health tools during the COVID-19 pandemic. So when I heard about this um, video game for ADHD, I googled it to see what it was all about, and it really does look like... (laughs) 
a vid- the kind of video game that you would not want your children playing all the time <laughs> that we used to learn oh that kills brain cells video games yeah it's interesting my my younger brother uh growing up spent eight hours a day on Sundays playing video games oh, and fun. you know maybe I was wrong to tell him to stop playing those video games maybe he was just <laughs> playing the wrong ones yeah well how does this particular game work So Andrea Park reported the story. She wrote that both versions of the Endeavor program center around a multi-level interactive game designed to stimulate the senses and challenge motor skills. In a recent study, adults who used Endeavor for six weeks saw their attention levels improve by an average of nearly 6.5 points on a standardized scale. Interesting. And also in terms of FDA approvals, Biogen and ISI are hoping to snag an approval for their Alzheimer's disease drug, Lakembi. It did win an accelerated approval back in January. And before the FDA decides on a full approval, the FDA is convening a meeting of experts today, Friday, to discuss data surrounding the drug and make recommendations about whether that data is sufficient for an approval. So Annie, Eric Saganowski reported this story. What did he say about that meeting that's happening today? So he found that before the meeting, the FDA staffers released a briefing document appearing to show agency support for the drug. In the document, FDA reviewers talked about a trial called Study 301. They wrote that Lakembi's treatment effect is, and I quote, supported by the consistently favorable results for the primary and secondary endpoints, end quote. But As for safety, the FDA also flags some risks, like amyloid-related imaging abnormalities, cerebral hemorrhages, and infusion-related reactions. But the FDA also noted that these risks can be described in the prescribing information, and they wrote that the risks shouldn't hinder the approval. ISI and Biogen's first Alzheimer's drug, Adjahelm, also won an accelerated approval, and that one was controversial and never gained traction on the market. Are ISI and Biogen worried this will be a repeat of that? Well, Salim Sayed, the analyst for Mizuho, wrote that the FDA review is, quote, super clean and that it tells a, quote, simpler story. And full approvals are based on more reliable measures of efficacy. So, After the FDA hears the discussion and sees the votes, the agency will make its own decision on an approval by July 6th. A full approval is key for the Lakembi launch because right now, Medicare has placed strict restrictions on who can receive the drug. If Lakembi were to win a full approval, it could reach more patients at Medicare. And as we know, we have been looking for an Alzheimer's drug for a very, very long time. Who's to say if this is a silver bullet everyone's been hoping and praying for? But um, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot on the line here, and I think a lot of people are paying attention to this. Definitely. Thank you for sharing the news with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Coming up next, we're going to dive into our coverage of ASCO, the American Society of Clinical Oncology annual meeting. But first, a word from our sponsor. ZS is giving voice to patient centricity. Move beyond the buzzword to discover how to bring patient-led business models to life. Join me, Victoria Summers, principal in ZS's Patient Health and Equity Accelerator, as I discuss effective strategies, best practices, and real-world examples with ZS experts from across the industry. Bonus content features patients in their own words, sharing their personal health journeys. You can find us at ZS.com. 
Look for the Patient Centricity Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I have here with me Andrea Park and Gabrielle Mason. Both are fierce biotech writers who attended the American Society of Clinical Oncology annual meeting in Chicago earlier this week. And it sounds like maybe the two of you had a little too much fun. I mean, this is supposed to be a cancer research meeting, right? But somehow you ended up rocking out at a Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were both happening at the same time, and they were actually right next to each other, um, (laughs) which made for terrible traffic. Horrible hours <laughs> worth of traffic, but you know we weren't the only ones. I've I've I wrote a piece on it, and a lot of people have reached out to me since. And you know they told me that they were some of those crossover oncologists who also went to enjoy Taylor Swift, and they said it was like <laughs> the best move that they could have made. Yeah, they needed that break from all the the heady conversation. <laughs> exactly, you have to let loose and you know enjoy some Taylor Swift once in a while. <laughs> Got to shake it off. Oh, good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's bring the focus back into your coverage of ASCO. Gabrielle, what was the vibe at the meeting? Yeah. So, you know, there's always a lot of enthusiasm. Um, You can't really ignore the fact that, you know, in-person meetings are still kind of a novelty after the pandemic. So this was the second year that we've been back since they kind of stopped in 2019. So it's already exciting. I will say like having Taylor Swift next door really like upped the ante a little bit. Um, I I talked to Takeda's president of global oncology, Teresa Pedetti, and she told me that it it felt like a swarm of glittery pink people, um, (laughs) which she said she really loved. Well, I need to contest the headline that you wrote for one of the stories you published this week. I mean, you called Taylor Swift the world's biggest pop star. Really? I think so. I'd agree with that. I mean... (laughs) I'll say that came straight from my editor, Annalise. So you have a lot of people to contest it with. <laughs> Who do you but, think is the, the biggest pop star, Teresa? Oh, that's a good question. But I would say Alive, the biggest Alive pop star, I would still say is Britney Spears right now. But the one that I would love to see, that I would go to ASCO to see, skip out on ASCO to go see, I guess, <laughs> would be um, Lady Gaga. Ooh. Mm. But, I mean, mm-hmm. there can be more than one world's greatest pop star. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's focus on the ASCO news. Andrea, <laughs> I asked the two of you to pick just a few stories that really stood out to you. And you sent me one about a new therapy that has been proven to meaningfully extend survival for patients with a platinum-resistant metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. You said this was a first in more than seven years. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So the therapy is Novocure's Tumor Treating Fields Technology, or TT Fields, and it works by creating high-frequency electric fields that block cancer cells from dividing and reproducing, so the cancer cells will die. Um, and Novocure presented the results of a phase three trial of the TT Fields tech at the ASCO conference. And the study showed that when the technology was combined with the current standard of care treatments for advanced non-small cell lung cancer, It added an average of about three months to the survival rate, which currently stands only around 10 months with standard therapies alone, so a pretty significant addition. Um, And then TT Fields was especially successful when it was combined with immune checkpoint inhibitor drugs. Um, Those drugs alone can help extend a lung cancer patient's survival to 10.8 months, 
But when you add TT fields to the mix, it nearly doubles the rate for an average of 18.5 months, so an extra eight months. And so what is next for this TT fields, tumor treating fields technology? Yeah, so at the conference, I talked to Bill Doyle, who's NovoCure's executive chairman, and he said that the company is soon going to submit those study results to the FDA and hopefully, you know, get approval to use TT fields in this specific form of lung cancer. And then in the meantime, they're also conducting a bunch of other studies of the TT fields tech's ability to treat other types of cancer, including ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer, as well as brain metastases. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Andrea, let's shift focus to the pair of studies that Illumina presented at ASCO. You described this presentation as creating a feeling of whiplash. How so? Yeah, I I thought like that was a good way to put it because on the one hand, you had one study showing that the use of comprehensive genomic profiling to guide treatment decisions for cancer patients could significantly improve their outcomes. But then they presented this other study that showed that up to 80% of eligible insured patients don't actually get the recommended tests mm. that you know could improve their outcomes. So at the conference, I talked to Kevin Keegan, who's the general manager of Illumina's oncology business. And he said that democratizing genomic profiling in cancer is a core tenet at Illumina. So basically, you know, making it more accessible to everyone who needs it. Mm-hmm. And so you have some study results. What were they? What exactly did the study show? Yeah. So the first of those two studies that Illumina conducted was with uh, Providence Health Network, and it was looking at the survival rates of two groups of cancer patients. So one group was just treated with standard chemotherapy, and then the other received targeted therapies, which are often based on genomic biomarkers, like the ones that could be found by these comprehensive genomic tests. And overall, median survival for the chemo-only group clocked in at 17 months, while using targeted therapies extended the survival rate to 25 months. So as Keegan told me, the study proved that if you don't do broad-based genomic testing, you miss important life-saving targeted therapies. Mm -hmm. And the second study showed that most patients don't actually receive these recommended treatments. So Mm -hmm. I hope someone will look into that. Yeah. Gabrielle, one of the biggest headlines to come out of ASCO this year was from J&J's Janssen. It sounds like there was a data leak that caused a stir at ASCO. Yeah. So data for Carvicti, the personalized cell therapy, was presented at ASCO, but it was actually leaked before, which is, you know, pretty unusual. So the data leak revealed a dramatic benefit for earlier line treatment in multiple myeloma. That is unusual. At ASCO, Janssen shared an early stage study for a combo immunotherapy regime for relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma. Those drugs are telquetimab and tecvaly. What were the results of that study? So there were 82 patients total in the study, and of those 82 patients, there was an 86.6% response rate to the combo immunotherapy regimen across all the dose levels. So the data also reveal an overall response rate of 96.3% among 27 individuals that were receiving a recommended phase two regimen. So this was in a phase one and two trial. 
I also um, spoke with Mark Wildgus, and he's Janssen's VP of Oncology, Global Medical Affairs. And he told me that J&J has only seen one drug with a higher response rate in multiple myeloma before, and that's Carvicti. So what's next for the combo? So Tecfeli received accelerated approval in October for patients with relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma. And Janssen just submitted telquetamab for FDA approval in December. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the last story I wanted to check in on is something that you wrote, Gabrielle. You wrote that Astellas is very busy lately with three oncology approvals expected in the next year, two of which are label expansions and one entirely new treatment. It sounds like they've got a lot going on. So tell me more about what you found out there. Yeah, definitely. So I spoke with Phil Tennant. Um, He's a Stellis Senior Vice President of U.S. Oncology. And he actually joked with me, you know, he's saying that he didn't have gray hair until this year because of the company's busy schedule. So Stellis already has one of those three hopeful oncology approvals under its belt but it is an accelerated approval. So in early April, the FDA um, granted that accelerated approval for PADCEV. That's a combo therapy with Merck's Keytruda as an initial therapy for adults with locally advanced or metastatic urothio cancer who don't qualify for certain chemotherapies. So it still has to, um, Estella still has to verify the combo's worth in a phase three readout that is expected later this year um, to hang on to that accelerated approval. Um, the pharma's newest hopeful that they're hoping to bring to market is called Zoltexamab, which scored a second phase three win this spring and in doing so secured front runner status in the race to deliver a drug against one of the current hottest targets in cancer, Claudin 18.2. So Astellas is currently in discussions with regulatory agencies about the asset and if approved, um, they'll become the first company to bring an anti-Claudin 18.2 uh, drug to market. Um, they're also hoping to expand their Extandi label, um, combining the treatment with luprolide for men with non-metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer um, who have a high-risk biochemical recurrence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you both for sharing ASCO with us. Yeah, it sounded course. like it was an exciting meeting, an exciting nightlife. Yeah, we can talk more about Taylor Swift if you want, Teresa. <laughs> we, we could talk about her forever. Yeah, and then next year if they have Lady Gaga, I am there. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's it for The Top Line. I'm Teresa Carey. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.